DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Ben Anderson. Warm him up an hour early before he and Jake take over at 10 o'clock. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Clear those pipes, Ben. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> the Jazz beat the Pelicans, but how much are you putting stock in this road trip, having just seen the Jazz and the Warriors looking at the standings, knowing what's coming in the playoffs, and knowing later this month the Jazz play the Warriors again, they play the Suns twice, they play the Grizzlies, they play the Nuggets twice. I know every game matters, and you got to win every game, and they won last night. And Isn't it, though, about all these big games in January? Yeah, you look at, you know, they got 45 games left after last night's victory, and 15 or 13 of those, excuse me, almost uh, almost 30% of these games are against teams that have top four seeds right now in the East or the West. So the Jazz can beat the Pelicans. They can beat even Denver, who's, you know, the fifth or the sixth seed right now because they've been so unhealthy. But it's going to really matter. I think the, the confidence is going to be built by how they perform against uh, Golden State, like you mentioned, Phoenix, like you mentioned, Brooklyn, which they'll get uh, twice still before the end of the year. And you know what? I mean, you've got the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of months. So I'm sure all of those deadlines and these performances are being weighed pretty heavily right now in that front office. Yeah, that's why I think Joe is going to find a new place here before too long. I think they're going to make a move, and I think they're going to go for a defensive-minded wing. Who do you got? Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting. I almost wonder if because – the, J- the Jazz's assets, unless they're willing to move on from a Boyan Bogdanovich or a Jordan Clarkson, and I think those are, I, I just think those are such valuable assets and so important to what the Jazz are doing because their offense is still going to be their best weapon. They're good defensively. I, I don't know if they're truly going to be elite, elite defensively, even with one trade. The way you can watch Golden State and just see how well they move together, how truly elite they are as a defensive team. I don't think the Jazz get there with one move, so I don't think you cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever analogy you want to use. I don't think you move one of your best offensive players to get just a little bit better defensively. So I do think you are probably talking more of a guy like Joe Ingles and a young player or Joe Ingles and a future draft pick. And then you almost got to hope that you get involved in a three-way trade where you kind of just make salaries work and you get the best player out of it. Now, you know, I, I don't know if that means Marcus Smart's available. I'm sure Danny Ainge knows how available Marcus Smart is and what it would take to get him. And that's probably the type of advantage who's out there. There's names like Lou Dort that have been passed around, and I'm always curious about Lou Dort. Do Jazz fans love him? Because, you know, when you see him play against the Jazz, he averages 20 points a game and helps lock up Donovan Mitchell. And is he just not that player against the rest of the league? Because if he played that way every night, he'd be one of the best players, and no one would ever talk about him being available. So clearly there's going to be some warts there if you do trade for him. But if he's available, those are probably the types of names you're looking for. Uh, we talked about this with Joe. Joe went into it actually with a little bit of prompting, but not a lot. And wherever you get podcasts, you can go back and listen uh, to their show on, uh, I think it was December 30th is when we had him on. And uh, and he talked about this, and he acknowledged, hey, I've got the expiring contract. Nobody else does. So for Jazz fans who are wondering, in addition to talent, just from the cap relief or a luxury tax relief angle, he's the one that really makes sense. And you could hear it in his voice. He doesn't like it, but he knows it. So people tend to make deals with people they know. So when you bring up the Celtics, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the front office that Danny Ainge is familiar with. That's the front office that, you know, he he could probably wheel and deal with. And you know what, teams even, I mean, I don't want to say they do each other favors, but certainly there's some kind of, you know, willing to work together if there's familiarity in the front office. You know, the Jazz made a couple of 
small, not major, but kind of little tiny draft night trades that ended up benefiting the Knicks after Walt Perrin moved there. And there's just some familiarity there. You know, there's just some guys that are there in that front office that you probably know. And you say, well, we want to get, you know, this second round pick and the Knicks want this pick. And, you know, you think you can probably work together and there's some goodwill. So you would hope there's still goodwill with Danny Ainge and the Celtics. It doesn't seem like any uh, bridges have been burned. And look, Danny's going to look under all the all, all the different rugs that are out there in the NBA. He's going to find out a deal if there's one available for the Jazz. And look, you know, I mean, it sounds like teams are already going after Joe Ingles. There was that rumor that popped up last week that Quinn Snyder, you know, refuted a trade uh, to Golden State, I think it was, with Joe Ingles and, and kind of made sure it didn't get pushed through. So the, the name has been thrown out there. I'm sure there's still value for Joe Ingles around the league, maybe not as much today as there was in the offseason. But he's still a guy who I think some teams would like to get some of that expiring money. And he can still shoot. He can still play. And I think if you get him in a, a safe spot where his confidence comes back, he'll continue to play better. I think that uh, as far as January, yeah, there's big games and all. But I sort of view it as uh, what are they going to do in the postseason because it looks like they'll get either Phoenix or Golden State in the second round. And it's sort of like uh, we went through four months of college football and we got Georgia, Alabama, like no kidding. And so to me, you know, they can have these big games and this and that, but it's when we get to the second round of the playoffs, you're going to either be playing Phoenix or Golden State. And if you want to get the NBA Finals, you're going to probably have to beat Phoenix and Golden State. I don't see uh, anything but that happening. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's some inevitability there, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I think that probably makes it a little bit easier to decide how you want to operate before the trade deadline and what things you want to accomplish. And therefore, you don't hopefully, I think, buy into too much regular season success because I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz come back from this road trip with a perfect 5-0 and record. They're better than Denver. They're better than Toronto. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Detroit. So they already beat New Orleans, and they play really hard on the road when they you know, feel like they need to prepare a little bit more or they face a little extra adversity that they don't face when they're at home because the fans are at their back. They sharpen up a little bit, and just by tightening up a little bit, they're so naturally talented and have so much chemistry that they just blow past these teams, which is why I think they've won nine straight road games. But you know, you, you do need to make sure you recognize that your season's going to end with seven games or five games or you know, hopefully not four games against the, the Suns or the Warriors in the second round, and you need to make sure you're most prepared for that. And I'm sure that's not lost on this Jazz front office. So they put up a graphic during the broadcast about the Jazz, how they rank, you know, number one or two in the league in offense or defense at home or away, with the exception of defense at home, <laughs> which instead of being elite was mediocre. Do you think they just think, oh, these guys are at altitude, we got our fans, and so they bring the B minus effort defensively? Is there any other way to explain why they're seventeenth in that category when they're elite and everything else? I, I I think that's right. I mean, I, I think there is just this kind of feeling that you roll out of bed and you're so good and you're at home that things should naturally take care of themselves. And remember, I mean, they were incredibly good last year at home. They have a 22-game home winning streak. They set uh, a team record for consecutive home wins. They lost two early to, I don't know if it was the Suns and the Timberwolves, I think it was, but they lost a couple of weird games early and then just went on the streak where they were unbeatable. And it felt like, okay, you know, this is going to be the case again for this team. And it hasn't been. But look, they lost in the playoffs last year. I mean, they lost game five to the Clippers, which is the reason they got eliminated by the playoffs or by the Clippers in game six in Los Angeles. So I, I do think there needs to be some respect that, hey, you're not just going to flip a switch at any point. And it does kind of feel like they roll out of bed feeling like, hey, we're at home. We're one of the top three teams in the West, if not in the NBA. If we flip this switch, everything's going to be fine because they haven't passed that test against teams like Golden State. 
How do you think the small ball thing is going? It's not going super well right now because Rudy Gay is not playing very good. You know, Rudy Gay is just not all that engaged defensively. He's getting blown by, and I think it's still probably trying to figure out exactly what some of his role is, which is unfortunate because I actually thought he had a couple of good games where Quinn Snyder said, hey, let's stop trying to make you George Niang. Let's stop having you hang out on the three-point line. And if you want to take 18-foot post-up jump shots, and that's where you're going to get more comfortable, and that's going to get you more engaged on the defensive end, let's do that because you got to do something. you got to offer something. And if you're just missing threes and then not playing defense or not really helping that much on that end of the floor, that doesn't do anything for you. And then Hassan gets hurt, so he has to go and play as the backup center. And I don't think that's quite a natural fit for him the way I think, you know, the Jazz would like him to. And he certainly hasn't had as many reps in his career playing backup center. So where he can be a big power forward and shoot over guys and feel comfortable, he loses a little bit of that when he has to go out and guard Jackson Hayes or Jonas Valanciunas or whoever he had to D up last night. I think that ends up being difficult. So it's a work in progress. I wouldn't say it's something you want to abandon totally because it's probably something you want to be able to go to a little bit more often. But look, one of the reasons the Jazz second unit last year wasn't very good was because Derek Favors wasn't very good last year. I mean, he just was not as good as Hassan Whiteside is right now. So if Hassan's going to be better than Favors, I don't know if you necessarily feel like you have to rely on small ball. And one of the things I've really liked that the Jazz have done is they're giving Rudy Gobert the ball in the post. And, and Quinn Snyder talked about it last week. He said it's fighting for the rim. It, it, it has equal parts to do with the Jazz' willingness to pass in the ball, but also Rudy Gobert's willingness to get to within one or two feet and not stop at five or six feet, because he can't do anything at five or six feet. He's too close to other defenders. He's not all that good turning around and shooting the ball. He doesn't have great touch. But it is, you know, a foot out from the rim, two feet out from the rim, he's so long, he can dunk it or he can get fouled, and that's certainly more valuable uh, than just you know throwing the ball down to him at six feet and having it result in a turnover. I feel like the small ball discussion has gotten off a point here. It's not that the problem with, with Rudy is that he can't be everywhere at once. The problem with the Jazz defensively is it's too easy to get past guys and break the paint, as they like to say. It's just too easy to get in to get around guys and get into the lane. And I thought the most interesting part of the post game after the Pelicans game was the discussion about well, why are guys better or why aren't they better when... Well, Rudy clearly intimidates people. And guys look like better defenders when Rudy's standing behind him, whether a guy goes around him or not. And if Rudy's dragged out to the corner by a, a, a guy who can shoot, or if he's subbed out, or if he's in foul trouble and he's out because of that, well, now guys aren't intimidated. And your perimeter defense doesn't look as good. And I don't think putting Rudy Gay in there is going to make the perimeter defense a lot of, a lot better. Some guys are still going to get beat. So when you put Rudy Gay in there, what you need is an offense that scores at a really high rate so you're not giving up ground because you're probably giving up more points. I don't think they can yeah. change that. I, I almost actually wonder, we saw it a little bit against the Mavericks on Christmas night, is maybe you just make Rudy your primary defensive player. Rudy Gobert, that is. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if they want to switch or if they're going to bring the ball up the floor, if it's Reggie Jackson this year like it was with the Clippers, just put Rudy on him. Fine. If you can beat Rudy Gobert off the dribble and then beat him to the rim where he's recovered and had those you know game-winning block shots against Dame or DeLon Wright, we remember against the Mavericks a couple of years ago, if you think you can score on him one-on-one, fine. And then you got to trust your other Jazz defenders to stay in front of their guy, but if your best player is going to have the ball in his hands, why not just put your best defender on him? And, and I don't think it's even close that Rudy Gobert is not just the Jazz's best rim protector, he's their best perimeter defender. 
He's longer than anyone. He moves his feet better. He doesn't fall for pump fakes. He doesn't foul you on the three-point line. Like, he does everything so well on the defensive end. Maybe he is your Ben Simmons. Maybe he is your Draymond Green who can D up the best guy late in the game and, and fluster him into taking a bad shot or throwing the ball away. And Quinn, I think, has even toyed with that idea a little bit. So if you want to play small ball, you don't actually have to be small. You just have to be willing to pull your big guy out. And if they're willing to pull their big guy out and especially put him on the ball, yeah, it puts some onus on the Jazz other players to, to do well. But at least you're not asking Rudy Gobert to defend the paint and defend the ball. I want you to guarantee me that Mike Conley will be healthy for the playoffs. <laughs> I think Quinn Snyder's doing his best, and I think it's frustrating Mike Conley. I mean, I think there are a lot of games, especially back-to-backs, where Mike wishes he was playing and then finds himself a little bit out of a rhythm. He was bad the last three games until last night. He was shooting you know, 34% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line and you know, like 4 of 13, 4 of 15 every night. So he wasn't playing very well. Uh, but when he's on, he's incredible. He's really one of the probably 25 best players in the NBA, and you saw that again last night. So Quinn Snyder's trying his hardest to keep this, this, this team as healthy as possible, and specifically Mike Conley as healthy as possible, because knock on wood, Rudy and Donovan seem pretty durable. Uh, so if you can keep Mike Conley healthy, when you get to the playoffs, that's going to help a ton, especially if you can find you know one more little piece to, to kind of complement the defense. Warriors are 3-1 and one against the Suns and Jazz combined, and I thought they really passed the eye test, and obviously they didn't have Draymond, and they're about to get Clay back. Uh, should we be penciling them in as heavy favorites? People talk about the NBA being wide open. Is it wide open in your mind, or are the Warriors the team to beat? I actually still think the Suns are probably the team to beat in the West, more so than the Warriors. And I, I like the Warriors. I, I'm still a little bit curious if I'm buying into Jordan Poole and Gary Payton the second being able to go out and win you games in the playoffs. And look, when they once they start doing it, they do it. You know, I didn't believe in the Suns last year either, and they made the finals. And you know, we're up whatever it was four games or three games to one or three games to two, and ended up blowing that lead. So it's not like it's impossible for them to get there. I'm still a little curious if when push comes to shove, and yes, I lost. I watched them lose to the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in tournament last year to not make the playoffs, and obviously they're not going to find themselves in that situation this year but I'm still a little bit curious if all those pieces are going to fit that well and perform that well when it gets into the playoffs versus that whirlwind of playing against a team like that that's pretty unique because they are so small, because they don't have a real big guy that plays, because they switch everything defensively. You run into those teams in the regular season, and it's hard to prepare for them with one shoot-around or a practice. And then once you get to see them four times, five times, six times, you start to pick apart some of their weaknesses or find ways to trap them in different ways. So Jordan Poole can't go off and you let Steph beat you or Steph can't go off and you try and make Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins beat you. And they've got to prove that they can do it. And maybe they can't. Uh, but, but I wouldn't at this point, from my perspective, pencil them in as some overwhelming favorite to make it, you know, even past the second round of the playoffs. They, they can get there. But I, I think if you're trying to drop the conference finals now, you might just be picking names out of a hat between the Jazz, the Warriors and the Suns. Where does Jake Scott rank on your list of favorite co-hosts that you've worked with? Okay, I mean, most of the shows I've done, like PK, you and I have done one show together. DJ, actually, I don't think you and I have ever done a show together. We've hung out during jazz games. I'm doing an hour with Scotty today. I did Hands last week. Obviously, Kyle Gunther for a long time. I did it with Tony Jones for a Saturday show for a while. <laughs> well, I'm like, he's top seven. Top seven? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nice. Conservatively, he's okay. top seven. Okay. Well, they can get top but, four. He can get into the college football playoffs. So he really doesn't need to improve that much. 
well, look, and if we expand, he'll be in regardless. So Good point. He's in good standing. He's doing fine. Okay. He'll be really happy to hear that. Just work with him some more. You can get there. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a work in progress, and that's fine. I don't. He'll get there. I have faith. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I can bring him along. All right, Ben. Good warm up uh, segment. You should be ready to go at ten o'clock today. Yeah, I get her. Better get dressed. See you guys. <laughs> All right. See you, Ben. Ben Anderson. He and Jake will be along ten o'clock today, right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, what'd you miss in today's show? All the stuff we're talking about, we will get to it next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter, he said the Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they don't go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put Oregon in the USC category. I don't know if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis, but yeah, why not? Like, I think Utah could very easily be at two a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program is right now. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? Here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. Time to get you up to speed on everything you have missed in the show. If you joined us late, the 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Talked a lot of football today. The transfer portal getting busy. Former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel who announced he was leaving UCF for UCLA. He says, no, wait a minute, I might be going to Oklahoma. That's because Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams announced on Twitter that he's entering the transfer portal. They already lost Spencer Rattler, who started the year as a Sooner starter. Texas, they made the switch. Williams looked great. He quarterbacked the team the rest of the year, but now maybe he's going to follow the new coaching staff to USC. But he has not ruled out staying at Oklahoma with the new coaching staff there. But maybe he goes to USC with Lincoln Riley. Maybe he do. To be determined. And maybe Jackson Dart goes to Oklahoma. What will happen to the former Corner Canyon star? Will he stay and compete, or will he move on? I say if, compete. If Caleb Williams doesn't go to USC. He considered them. It could happen. Why not? You gonna go in a Big Twelve? Nice. Come on back home. And chances of Hall staying healthy for a year are slim. Unfortunately for him, that doesn't seem to be the case. Right? You get a chance and then win the job. Seize it, if you will. Other quarterbacking news in the NFL, Ben Roethlisberger, last home game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. He took the victory lap around the field, high-fiving people after the Steelers beat the Browns 26-14. to Game with a lot of passing, a lot of dinking and dunking, a lot of incomplete passes. and Steelers kicked a bunch of field goals and win the game. Oh, it was scintillating, that game. Not really. Big Ben, 24-46 for 123 yards. Man, that's a lot of passes. That's a lot of passes for not many yards, right? Yeah. What is going on? And they won. They did win. It's very memorable, like when Greg Ostertag had that last game and they won. Nope. Remember that? Nope. Sure you do. Nope. I think you do. Nope. I know you do. Nope. Blocked it out. 
Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield confirmed he'll have offseason surgery to repair the torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. The Browns have been eliminated from playoff consideration. He may not even play next week. Browns and Bengals, the Battle of Ohio. Cincinnati's playing for playoff seeding. They've already won the division. Browns playing for nothing, so he might be out. And Pittsburgh's playing Baltimore. Both teams still alive. The loser will be eliminated. The winner will have a chance to get in if the Jaguars pull the miracle upset of the Colts, which no one really expects to happen. And we've been talking about the global media tour of one George Klyavkov, Pac-12 commissioner. He's got plans to make the Pac-12 better after its worst non-conference football showing since 1983. That's a long time. But there were a lot of losses this year. Yeah, there were. Two to the big sky, five and five versus the Mountain West in regular season, and then the bowl game loss. The thing that I love the most is that he tells you. Yeah. They were on five and bowls. No one's going to go and do research and figure out 1983. Yeah, yeah. Right? But he, he did it, and then he's willing to tell the media. Own it. Look at Pac-12 schools. Own this. Yeah. you got to be better. Play to their pride. Right. Yeah, I mean, even their eventual champion lost to two non-Power 5 teams. The Utes late collapse brought the Pac-12's bowl record 0-5 and the league's mark against other football bowl subdivision teams to an abysmal 9-23. and Except I wouldn't say that it's a collapse in the Rose Bowl. I don't think they collapsed. They couldn't hold a 14-point lead, which it says in the previous Multiple sentence. times, but is that yes. a really a collapse? You can argue with that word if you would like. After they came from How ahead to lose. How would you not argue that word, I would say? <laughs> that would be my statement. They didn't collapse. That's way too strong. They scored with uh, a minute and 43 to go, and they collapsed. So they weren't collapsed because <laughs> they came back to tie the game. Yes. They didn't. Who wrote that? Jay Brady McCullough. Oh, come on, Jay Mack. Los Angeles Times. Collapse. So freaking biased. I'm so sick of the media bias. Yeah, but you want the media to be tough, so. I want it to be accurate is what I want. That's well, the number the abysmal one abysmal 9 and 23 is the real point of this. And that is abysmal. You can argue with the word collapse, but you're not going to argue There's the no argument. Abysmal. There is yeah. no argument. They didn't collapse. You can argue with yourself and be wrong both ways. They didn't collapse. There is no argument. So you can't argue. I disagree with that. I'll argue the argument. You want to argue, let's argue. But we're not arguing about collapse. 9 and 23, not good enough. And what was that, 9 and 23 on what? 9 and 23 against football bowl subdivision teams, the old 1A. So put aside the big sky type wins from their non-conference schedule. Move those off to the side. Okay, I've done that. Yeah, and you should do that too. Because those are scheduled wins, obviously. And Klavkov's going to make a big deal about that because it's really hard to go to the potential media partners, ESPN, Fox, maybe CBS, we'll have to see, and say, hey, put our games on at better time slots. And they're like, eh, most people don't live in your part of the country and you lose a lot. It's not a compelling case. 
And he knows it, and he's probably already heard it. Because they know the 9-23. and 23. Yeah, they've got to get way better. It's just a fact, man, obviously. And I think the first step is to addressing the problem, or else you're not going to get there unless you acknowledge it. And he needs to put pressure on these schools to get with it. Time to get freaking with it, man. He's got to like the direction Utah's gone. He's got to like the fact that USC's gone out and hired Lincoln Riley. He's probably not pumped that Oregon keeps losing coaches to the far side of the country. Well, but they hire guys from over there. What do you expect? You take somebody who is... Washington hired a guy who was in the 2, West. 2,500, yeah. 3,000 miles away, and then he's got a chance to go home. It's like, does anybody begrudge Jeff Grimes for going closer to home? No. no. Do we begrudge Steve Cleveland for going to Fresno? Nobody wants to go to Fresno, but Fresno's home for him. So he went home. Right? It happens. It happens all the time. Folks going home or in the vicinity of home, especially as your parents get older and they get closer to death. Time is running out. So I don't blame the guys for leaving. I blame Oregon for hiring those guys and Oregon having the audacity to think we're a destination place when you're nothing but a stepping stone. Sing it. You're nothing but a stepping stone. You're nothing but a stepping stone. What what, what am I singing? Never mind. Let's move on. Well, you asked me to sing it, so I... Yeah, I thought you knew. I sang it. You're nothing but a stepping stone. Now, who can join... I don't care if your name is Jones. Who can join those three teams in getting ranked? I'm done throwing you a bone. Who can join those three teams in getting ranked and drawing a little positive attention to the conference? Getting ranked. I like that. Getting ranked. Getting ranked. <laughs> Win enough to get You're yourself a ranked. Western guy, you. Yeah, I am. <laughs> We're going to get to the. We're going to get to the pig farm story in a minute. Getting ranked. Yep. Every one of them is capable of doing it. Everyone who has done it prior can. Well, do everyone's it again. done it at some point. I mean, Oregon State then, was in a Fiesta Bowl back they can in do the it day. Again. That's my very point. Arizona was in a Fiesta Bowl back in the day. And have you done it? And that's recent, not. 50 years ago. I mean, UNLV Arizona's is not in the re- last recreate Tark. Yeah, Arizona's in the last decade, and Oregon State's going back two decades. Well, Washington every, State was in a Rose Bowl in the last Everybody years. in the South has won the division in the last decade. Yes, they've handed that around. Yeah. So if you did it before in the last 10 years, you can do it again. The question is not can they do it again, can they maintain it? That's the issue. Not can they do it. That's the wrong question. The question is, once you do it, why didn't you maintain it? And if you do it again or when you do it again, can you maintain it then? Because you've all done it. You've all proven you can do it. So do what Utah did and win it three times in four years. Start getting some level of consistency. That's the issue, not whether they can do it. That's been the big problem. For all of these, for every program in the South. And right now, Utah's got it going on, so we'll put them across uh, the line a little bit. You know, how long can they maintain it? Because they have maintained it. That's the question for Utah, is how long you can maintain it, because they have maintained it. The other five, can you get there again? And when you get there, can you maintain it? Because so far, the answer has been five no's. 
That's the problem. South's been a little more top-heavy. I mean the North, excuse me, the North, North, North. Spent a lot of time on that this morning. There's a lot of responses. They're out there on Facebook. They're out there on uh, Twitter if you want to check them out. Check them out. Check them out. Yeah. Spent a lot of time talking uh, football with Thane Marshall, Milford High's football coach. Coach Bryson Barnes in high school. Barnes comes off the bench in the fourth quarter when Cam Rising gets hurt. Leads the Utes on a touchdown pass. Marshall had a couple of great stories that Barnes was a prodigy in elementary school. Elementary school teacher said you only beat him in games if, you, uh, if the teacher played and he cheated. And in the eighth grade when he was team manager, they had a defensive coordinator who had been a JC coach in Southern California. And they got into a, uh, a little bit of a back and forth about defenses and how to beat him and the eighth grader found himself getting kicked out of the defensive team he room. showed him. <laughs> yeah. Who's that kid? He's going to be our starting quarterback next year. And he started as a freshman, put in a lot of time, and they wish they'd cut him loose on the opening drive. If not let him throw, at least let him run it on that opening drive when everybody was keen on the running back. Could they have popped a big play with the quarterback? Well, in unless legs. they would have gotten a first down off of it, then that would have been the right thing to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thomas breaks an 80-yarder. That yeah. was brilliant. Right. So... Sort of the way I view that. He was entertaining. If you didn't hear that interview, and he got into the the pig farm and the responsibilities and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and how he got recruited. You quizzed him on how he got recruited to Utah and how he ended up there. You can uh, check all that out wherever you get podcasts. We had him on at the start of the eight o'clock hour, our third hour today. So wherever you get your podcasts, if you want to go back and hear that interview, help yourself to that. And then we talked basketball with Ben Anderson. We talked a little bit about the Jazz game. Wind's getting a little ho-hum for you, PK. They're so dominant on the road now. No. They're better than New Orleans. They had them. You never doubted it. Oh, I didn't doubt they were going to lose that game. No. Not at all. So they don't get ho-hum because that's the point. You're supposed to go out and win. It's just that I think this team is going to look different after the All-Star break. Make a deal before the deadline. Joe's got the expiring contract, and they feel like they need more of a defensive presence on the perimeter. And that is going to lead to something. Well, it doesn't look like they need more offense. The offense is elite. Yeah, it looks like they got plenty of that, so you can see where their line of thinking is, and then we'll see what, what, uh, what player, if they bring in somebody, will evaluate it and go nuts at that time. I think that's about uh, seven weeks away. Trade deadline. I thought I saw it was February 10th. Because I think they moved it up. Now you'll type it in. I will check for you so that we don't give people a maybe, kind of, sort of. Nobody knows what it is. (laughs) I know. That's what we were going to tell them. You're right. You're right. It's February 10th. (laughs) So it would have been the 11th. They wouldn't have. February 10th, 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Mountain. Thanks for that clarification. That's that, you are a TV guy, man. You just let us know. Should be the second th- Thursday. It's always a Thursday for some reason in February. I don't know why it's always a Thursday, but that's what they do it. No idea. Right. 
couldn't have even told you it was a Thursday, to be honest. Oh, it's always a Thursday. Yeah. I know it's a Thursday. It's always on a Thursday. Because it, it, it reminds me of Thanksgiving. Trade deadline, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Your big Thursdays? Yeah. <laughs> Famous Thursdays, people. Hit us up. Yeah. Anything else you want to pass along to the people? This has been the heartbeat of the show. Yeah, Washington is going to introduce their new name on February 2nd. I don't know why they just don't go with the pigskins. The Washington football team will be rebranded. Then they can be the skins. Stay with the same color scheme. Well, you don't have to change. Stay with the same nickname of a nickname. You don't have to be change a very the, small adjustment. You don't have to change the colors unless you want to for make more money and all that stuff. If you want to alternate, I don't know. Do they do that in the NFL? I've sort of lost the uh, the luster of the uniforms because they're ever changing now. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know what they are, or what you're wearing today, and it's gotten to the point where everybody does it, and I literally don't care what you wear. It means nothing anymore to me. You've beaten it into the ground. Well, they've they've gotten so varied. I don't care anymore. You can do whatever, basically. You can change it on the fly. Or you can have radical changes or minor changes, whatever. Everybody does the minor changes. Those are a given. Yeah. And it's, but the radical changes are pretty common. To the point, they're not that radical, right? That's not, that's that's yeah. precisely my point. So I mean, the jazz have worn a lot of colors. Yeah, we've seen the jazz in uh, sky blue. We've seen the jazz in gold. We've seen the jazz in white. We've seen the jazz in green. We've seen the jazz in purple. We've seen the jazz wear black uniforms. I mean, it's and it doesn't phase me in the least yeah. anymore. They all can do whatever they want because everybody's doing it. Right. So it's not newsworthy to me anymore. For some people, it is, and that's fine. If, if uniforms matter to you, but they don't. The thing that matters to me is how they play in those uniforms. Not what because I'm expecting like today one, tomorrow another, basically. And and, and I, at this point, I just look right through it. I don't even notice it, but I notice how they're playing. Jazz right now playing well, fifteen and three in their last eighteen games. Well, they got to win these next two. So you can get your 17 and 3? I harped on that for weeks. You just picked two (laughs) random numbers out of the air, and these add up to 20. Well, I wanted a 20-game sample. It's a quarter of the season. And I thought 18 and 19 would be Was too much to ask for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they did the 20 out of 21 last year. Yeah, I know. Or 21 out of 22, maybe. That's outrageous. Yeah. So So you were going with a more reasonable 17 and 3. Yeah. But you guys calmed down and just win 85% of your games. I mean, it wasn't totally random. Well, you had last year's measurements. But good, this is what good teams do in the league. The really good teams go often go on. They normally don't win 14, 15 games in a row. At some point, you're at a back-to-back short a guy and Whatever. somebody gets you. Right, right. Or the, the other guys get hot, yeah. and that's the NBA. It's, it's life in the NBA. So I don't expect, I very rarely, if at all, expect a 15-game winning streak. But if you're a really good team... And I used just a 20, because 20 was easy. If I went 25, then I'd have to start to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that number's too hard for you? I'd have to think much harder, yeah. 22 and 3. 21 and 4. Yeah, but see, then then you start thinking, okay, how special a, is that? 20's a rounder number. Yeah, 20 was easier for me to pluck 17 and 3. Well, they're almost there. I know, so they got to get it's it. It's Denver, 
and Toronto. Since I said it, they got to get it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what's driving them. Yeah. It's not driving them. It's driving me. Quinn, are you aware you're just two games away? <laughs> hey, dude. Come on. That guy on the come radio, on. he said, we got to get it. Come on, Quinn. And now they want it. There's no question they want it. They do want it, of they course. Almost, they want to win the next two games. I don't know that they're even aware of your 17-3. Oh, they listen. Oh, you're nobody. You were telling us earlier. Yuck, did he not tell us earlier this morning he's, he's nobody? Jake. Leave him alone. No, he did say that. I though. am nobody. But they listen. Yeah, they Although listen. you're nobody. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not anybody in terms of celebrity. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Thank you, Yuck. I get tired of saying that. I am not I, that, nor do I want that. Kay. But they no. PK you to death at the Rose Bowl. Exactly. When, I, when people find out what I do... <laughs> people want to talk to you in the bathroom. Come on. You know the Multiple per- stories about that. The first that. person they ask about? Not that guy. It's no, PK. Oh, no, no. That's What's he really I'm, like? I'm the loud mouth and... And uh, but but there's no celebrity there. Believe me, I'm just an average dude trying to survive and live a tortured life to get on the next day. But they do know I know what the hell I'm talking about. Comma. That's a fact. <laughs> they listen. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What do you have to say about today's show? Plenty. <laughs> we got suggestions here that are not going to fly. Josh Williams, Pac-12 and 0-5 in the bowl games. What can be done to improve this conference? Josh says salary cap, sort of. Put a cap on five-star recruits for teams. Spread out the talent and it ruins the SEC at the same time. Not happening. <laughs> that would be radical. Radical, right? <laughs> yeah, not happening. Uh, fire Kyle, Kyle Whittingham at Fire Coach Witt. Well, that fans, guy again. Yeah, fans that hold coaches and ADs accountable, football being the most important thing, et cetera. Well, the coaches have been held accountable. I mean, they've been firing coaches in this league left and right. ADs, maybe not quite as quickly, but is it higher than the ADs as a presidential? Football's real important to the PR image of your university. You got to invest in it. The front porch and all that stuff. Well, I don't think it's the front porch. I think it's the entire house. Goes beyond the porch, unless the porch is some big wraparound. Brainless Steve says, can't really mandate the whole conference improves in a certain way. It's up to the individual schools. But USC's already taking steps. It's simple, better coaching, recruiting, developing the talent. Same recipe success as anyone else. No, you can't mandate it, but... There's all sorts of conversations that the commissioner has. His influence. Yeah, right. right. But aren't they already headed down this road? Because he's, he's saying this publicly now. He's been in the league a year. He said some of the stuff the day he was hired. He must have said in the interviews before he got hired. Of course They he must did. have been looking for some of this. Yeah. The attitudes are already changing. It hasn't changed the results yet because that's a longer process. But the attitude is already changing, or this guy wouldn't have gotten hired. Well, yeah, but if you go read his stuff saying they need to understand that the return on the investment, so that would so mean they, that they haven't grasped it yet. So the want to is there, but the how to but, execute uh, it isn't there. Oh, sure. I, I want to do this and that. I want to right. have a Charles Atlas body. Right. 
but they haven't I mean, realized. Say that. We'll cut the sugar out of your diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quit blah, eating blah, blah. after six o'clock at night. On and on and Go on. Go to the gym five times a week. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Drink more water. Yeah. And here's some supplements you need to take. Now you said that. Thank you. And PK takes a drink of water. <sighs> I I had six 16 ounces yesterday. What's that? These 96. things I drink. So I had 96 ounces of water. And I think 64 is the target number. Oh, I have 64. Your mileage minimum. may your mileage may vary. Three quarters of a gallon, nicely done. I mean, it depends on how hot it is and how much you're exercising. No, and yada yada yada. Not, well, not to get to 64 for me. No, no, you need to get. Everybody needs to get to 64. If you're living somewhere that's hot and you're outdoors, you're sweating a lot. 64 might not be enough. I get minimum 64. You want one ounce for every two pounds of your body weight. Maximum really? 96. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so what's that come out? Water. To? Yeah, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> I need like 150 ounces. Okay, that's that's a bit much, but yeah. Jeez, I'll be spending all day in the urinal. Debo at the Texas Ute. The Pac-12 needs better recruiting and coaching development. Blue Bloods need to carry their weight. Looking at you, USC and Oregon. Lincoln Riley and Dan Lanning are a good starting point. It remains to be seen how much they'll move the needle. Well, if Riley doesn't move the needle, no one's moving it. <laughs> and then USC's doomed. He's the biggest hire the conference has ever had. How do you argue that? I'm trying to think of everybody Chris hired in the, in the conference. Chris Peterson. Well, I'm talking about hire. the conference as a 12. Oh, as a 12. It's he, it's he and Chris Peterson. I was going way back. I was already trying to. No. But I don't know that even most of the people who succeeded before were, you know, Don James, who yeah, had a great who, run. That doesn't, I know. that doesn't matter then. They've never the hired big people away. The world is now. They've never then. hired big people away. They've mostly grown their own. So Peterson and Riley are the big hires, and certainly in the Pac-12 era. But yes. you're a big homegrown guy. Where's the where's the tie to your own program? Depends on what pro- what program you are. If there's somebody there, yeah. But that, that doesn't mean if you Harbaugh, Harbaugh to Stanford, I guess. Yeah, which but was, was a Pac-10 era hire, right? That's why I said that. Yeah, and Shaw, they was promoted. He's a he's, he's promoted a Stanford from dude all the yeah. way. He's a homegrown, and you know he struggled here of late, but they had some great runs. We'll yeah, see what he can do. Three conference titles. Uh, so yeah, I I don't care who you hire as long as the hire is good. <laughs> and so right, and that's basically what the fan base thinks too. You hire whoever you want as long as he's really good. But with what they pay relative to the success you want people to have, then they're going to be hired away. Well, that's one advantage potentially of homegrown. Not always, but Kyle. Being here is a homegrown dude, and he could have left, but literally his brothers are on the sidelines, and they're all not moving with him. (laughs) He's not uprooting 40 or 50 Kinahans. Right, and there's a whole—the whole family, the clan is local. I think every one of his siblings is local. I could be wrong on that. I think you're right, and it's different. In and they're all involved in the program. They're sure. there every step For, of the way. They've changed the south end zone now, but in the old setup, literally his friends and family would be off to our left, listening to the, the post-conference, gather around tables 25 yards away, and when he was done, we left, and he went over to them. I saw one of his brothers go through the regular entrance line at the Rose Bowl, and I was surprised. That there was no special... 
Yeah, I thought he would have gone on the the team team, bus and in the the team through the. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. And this one in particular, who seems to be right there at all times. (laughs) Yeah, and it surprised me. I saw he and his family walking through the regular entrance. We may have an answer on the mystery of the Washington football team nickname. It's the pigskins. It is not, sadly. What is it? According to Andy Glockner, his former sports media guy, says that the WashingtonAdmirals.com goes back to WashingtonFootball.com, which is their official team site. That's the redirect. So Washington Admirals, maybe. I hope they did that just to throw everybody off. Probably. I hope they did. Uh, Brian, Talking Pack 12 says, well, 2021 was bad due to the insane 20 conference COVID rules. Teams lose 90% of practice time, 70% of games. Teams spend all of 21 catching up. Disappointed the local media hasn't reported on this. Perhaps they will now that Klyavkov put it in front and center yesterday. Okay, how about before that? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a dumb The conference was struggling for a decade. Maybe this year was particularly bad because of last year. So you get a little bounce back, but it still won't get you to the level that you need to be at. It'll be good that you're better. And hopefully you will be. Well, I think in fairness, uh, we need to check back basically in 2028. See where you are in five years. Assuming all those players were hurt by all those mispractices. Well, and all this emphasis and the new TV deal because he said it's 30 months. So what does that mean? In 2028, we should have our new playoff format for a while then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things, there'll be multiple factors changing, as there usually are. right. But there should be multiple factors changing for the better. I would think so, Which yeah. should fuel. And if I want to lose 25 pounds or 100 pounds or 150 pounds. you got to lose the first one. I mean, I ain't going to do it today. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? I, I start today. So you don't think the Pac-12 will have two of the four playoff teams next year? That's your point? I'm pretty sure they won't, no. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on The Zone Sports Network.